Welcome to the newest episode of the Screenfellows Podcast. My name is Carlos. And I'm Ozzy. In this episode, we will have retro reviews of Inside Out and Steve Jobs. And Jesse will join us to recap the season premiere of Rebels Season 3. Enjoy the show. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Ozzy, how are you doing? I am doing... Ha! That's six right there, by the way. Um, I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? I, I believe you're referring to our Facebook page, which, um, if you haven't liked that, you should definitely go like that, and as well as follow us on Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. we got tons of stuff for you guys to follow us on now. It's great. Um, but yeah, Ozzy's being a little competitive with how many people he has, um, invited that has, uh, has accepted it, I guess. Um, even though I had like a, a billion the other day when I did this, but we'll see. Um, I mean, to be real, there's not even a billion likes, so. Yet. That's one. Yet. Two, Miles challenged me. He said he invited 70, they accepted. So, there we go. All right, well, we'll see how that turns out. Well, this is going to be a very different episode of the podcast because, first of all, it's our first time doing, like, a throwback retro review. Well, not really our first time because I guess we did The Witch really a long time after it came out, but this is more of a throwback because it came out last year. Um, but these are two movies that you hadn't seen in, hadn't seen they came out last year, and now you finally got around to them, so... Now you're going to review them, and I think it'll be interesting, because, like I said, it'll be a little bit more of a different episode, it'll be kind of loose, we'll, um, we'll be a little more open to random side discussions if they come up, just because it's pretty much just going to be you reviewing them, but it'll get into discussion, I have a feeling. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> it'll probably, I, get, I think it'll get more, more be like a debate, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, makes at, sense. At point. We might even have a poll at the end of this conversation. Oh, gosh. Um, well, speaking of a debate, actually, we actually had a huge debate. No, we're not talking about politics. That would be against our rule, Bob. Um, we had a huge, um, debate this morning when we were talking about what we were going to do for, Friday's episode, no, Saturday's episode, my bad. We were, I I wasn't sitting in the middle of class. I had a class and I'm sitting there texting you, just freaking texting away, arguing with you about whether we were going to review Queen of Cutway or what's the other one? Um, Uh, um, Masterminds. Masterminds, yeah. Or Masterminds. And we were sitting there arguing and we ended up, we're not going to review either of them until our Wednesday episode of next week. So... Um, but geez, it was just, <laughs> that was an interesting debate. And I, I think <laughs> that, yeah, that was, yeah, that was, I, I created the ceasefire for Carlos and I to agree on. Yeah. So. Yeah. We <laughs> went back and forth there, but I, I think it'll, I actually, I think this is for the better because I think it sets up for a really good, um, episode next week for a Wednesday yeah. episode. Um, and we'll also we'll have our first Westworld recap next week as well. So that'll be interesting. 
Um, HBO is going to be back at it. I'm really looking forward to that. But anyway, let's finally get to this retro review, re- review here. Um, Ozzy, I've talked about this movie, Inside Out, um, ad nauseum on this podcast. So what did you think of Inside Out now that you've seen it? I think it, it really sucks, dude. I'm, I'm not even... You're older. lying. <laughs> I was kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought it was a pretty good Pixar movie. I'm not going to lie. Um, it, it held up, and I was I was actually interested in the mythology that I kind of had that I kind of held behind it. Um, when it came to the emotions of joy, anger, um, you know, fear, so that's why I really I really like the mythology that it kind of sets up. Um, sets up like in our in our head. Yeah, yeah. And I think the voice act is fantastic in this movie. I mean, Amy. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Amy Bowler. Yeah, I don't know what's calling me sometimes. But yeah, I think she did a fantastic job as Joy. Um, you're definitely rooting for her the mm-hmm. whole entire time. Um, I think the the cast who who's also uh, discussed fear and anger, especially Bill Hader as Bill fear. Bill Hader was great. Yeah, I think it was hilarious as fear. Um, uh, I think Mindy Mindy Kaling was great as discussed. Um, mm-hmm. These are all great. This is this is a great way to kind of um, explain to kids, in a sense, like like what like mm-hmm. each is. And I thought it was great. Oh, it's a it's a great way to explain it to adults too. Screw the kids. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I was sitting there, I'm just like thinking to myself, I'm just like, is this really like, what's going on right now? Like, is there like a control system in my brain? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, like, what's interesting about it is like. Uh, and I think this movie is brilliant. I, I do. I personally, I, I love this movie. Um, because it kind of explains these very complex ideas very well. And it's so clever in the way it's able to explain these things. And even when it uses puns, like they're so smart that you're like, whatever. Like when they talk about like the train of thought and all those kind of things. But it, what makes it so smart are these situations where like when the, when she's first born, um, there's only one button for joy. Right. And then sadness shows up. But then as she gets older, the control panel gets bigger and there's so many buttons. And then by the end of the movie, it's even bigger. So it's just so smart the way it kind of explains how emotions develop and um, ideas develop. And sometimes you can have like a happy and a sad memory. It's just it's so smart. Yeah, and it's it's interesting what they do with the memories themselves. Yes. Um, it's really it's really interesting. The. How they set up like the memories and, and stuff like that, and also like the forgotten memories too. It's just it's really cool how they really set that all up. Yeah. Um, what did you think about the emotion in the movie? Because that's one thing Pixar is known for: their emotional moments. They pull up those heartstrings. Did you have any of those moments in this movie? Um, there were two times where I was, you know, I was like, oh, the. F- feels but i wasn't like to the point where i was like i need to cry um it wasn't nothing <laughs> like that but it did it did really tug me in the feels especially towards the end yes um i was just like dang like this is this is really bad and this is this is like where i was rooting for joy and sadness mm-hmm. the most yeah. um i was just like wow like this is this is some this is some feelsy type stuff right here um so it did tug at my heart a little bit I'm not going to say it tugged it a lot to the point where I wanted to cry, but it did tug at it a little bit. <laughs> See, I, I think it got me a little a little bit more. But 
Um, hey, that's fine. But what I loved about that moment that I think we both are talking about the same moment towards the end. Um, what I loved about that is it's not only tugging at those heartstrings and trying to get you to feel those emotions, but at the same time, that's also when they're kind of learning the basically the main point of the movie. So it's also it's not only emotional, but it's smart and it's um, moving the plot and the themes of the movie forward. And that's why I think that moment is just so good in that movie. And the movie as a whole is great. So, um, do you have any other thoughts on this movie? Um, I think it's definitely going to be a, a classic. Agreed. For for the years to come, I think people are going to look at this movie. This is definitely one of Pixar's gr- uh, great movies. Agreed. Um, Where would you I put gotta, it on your ranking of Pixar movies? I gotta look at my list again. Um, yeah. Let me pull that up really quickly. But I it's believe definitely my top ten. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> but assume so. I I think mine's in the mine was in the top three, I believe. Of in, Inside Out is I I mean, um, so yeah, I. I, I love this movie. I think it's like it was in. I think it was in my top five of 2015. Actually, um, it might have been top six, but it was definitely up there. It's it, to me, it was one of the best films of last year. It was just an incredible showing by Pixar, and just again showing that they're brilliant, their geniuses over there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm really interested to see where you end up putting it on your list. I might slightly judge you here once you get that up. Um, let me pull. Yeah, I gotta find it. But um, <laughs> yeah, because it's it's been a while since we talked about um, Pixar movies. And oh yeah, I had it at number two. Jeez, that is high for me. But um, yeah, I had a number two, and I believe we talked to Niall about this. I, I mean, I talked to Niall, um, our friend Niall, who's been on this podcast before. Um, what episode was he on? I don't remember, but he was on an episode before, um, and. He has Inside Out as me. I think he said it was his number one animated movie of all time, which I thought that was a little extreme. But I mean, it's definitely it deserves to be in that conversation at least, especially when it comes to Pixar movies. I don't know if I can get it all the way there for animated movies, but it deserves to be in the discussion. And Bob just pulled up my um, top ten of 2015 right here, and I had Inside Out at number three, actually. So it, yeah, like I said, I, th- I think it was one of the best movies of last year, um, by far, <laughs> like top three. So that's pretty impressive for me, especially. Yeah, I think it's gonna be four for me when it comes to Pixar. Really? Four. Just what? yeah, I can't I can't find the list right now, but mm-hmm. I know it's I know it's I know it's bumping four for sure. Yeah. Um, but it, it's definitely around number four for me. I think. Uh, Finding Nemo is one of is one of, is one of my one of my favorites of Pixar. Yeah, that's fair. It's most um, people. So yeah, it's not. I don't, I don't know if it's my number. One. I need to look. I need to find the list. Yeah, that's um, fine. I'll yeah. I'll, I'll probably I'll find it more and I'll I'll bring it back if that's okay. Yeah, definitely. Oh, you should post it on Twitter. You need to get on Twitter more. You, you hey, seriously promote the bro. podcast. What you need to do is post a picture of um your top your updated Pixar list. And then tag Screenfellas. That's the way to go. Um, just See, saying. I found my top ten animations of all time. But I <laughs> find, like, I'm trying to find my Pixar. And it's it's fine. Um, 
But yeah, this movie is fantastic. What one of my um, issues with the movie, actually, one of my few issues, I think it was the only thing that I kind of knocked the movie for, was that sometimes and this is not like a major criticism at all, so don't take this as like I'm bashing the movie. But I mean, I believe I get it for like a nine point five, so sue me. Um, but sometimes I kind of felt like. Um, it had a little bit of kind of childish humor. Like there were times when like some of the jokes were a little juvenile and which is fine because again, it's a Pixar movie. It's, it's not necessarily designed for kids, but it's designed for kids to enjoy. So you got to kind of have that in there. But I, I do think there were some moments that just took me out of it. But again, they're few and far between. So it's not a major issue. Like I said, 9.5. But did you have any issues with the movie? Um, one of the issues that I had was, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. The kiddish moments, I think it kind of took away from, from some of the emotions for me personally. Um, and I kind of had a problem with Joy's character. Really? In a sense. Yeah. I mean, like, she was kind of, how do I put this? She was kind of mean, I yeah, would say. But I, I understand. Like, she was kind of, you know, just like, you're supposed to be nice because, like, you're happy, like, you're joy, <laughs> but, like, you're being a complete douche to her for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> so, I was just like, so that's that's kind of, like, what took it away from me, mm-hmm. personally. I was like, I mean. Yeah. I, sure. I think that's fair, but for me, that, that's just because she was kind of representing the audience, like, because we're all sitting there like, yeah, why do we have sadness? Like, what's the point of that? Um, and that's how she was feeling. So that's why she, she kind of lashed out at her, but it wasn't even, she wasn't even trying to do it in a mean way. So that's why I didn't think it was too big of an issue. Um, but either way, I, I think that's a fair criticism. One people, one thing people say that I don't think people necessarily hold it as a criticism of the movie, but it's something that they always kind of just mention is that they were able to make emotions, which should be one note because it's specific emotions, three dimensional characters. It's it's crazy how they're able to do that, um, and we're able to just buy like, go along with it and buy into it. It's really crazy. Yeah, I, think, I agree with that. <laughs> um, do you have a rating for this movie? Um, I think it gave Kubo like an eight point seven. It, it didn't beat Kubo for me. If that's wow! Oh, jeez. Yeah, because uh. Kubo. Kubo Kubo almost made me cry a few times. That's the movie that almost made me cry a few times. This one didn't really make me. Get to that level. Um, it does, so it doesn't be Kubo. That's what some people are wondering. Um, I'm going to give it an 8.3. Eight point three. Uh, I mean, look, I'm not going to knock you because that's not, like I said, it's not a bad score, but, um, geez, that's considerably lower than what I have it at least. Um, but, yeah, I'm, when Kubo comes out, I'm going to buy it again. I'm going to buy, buy it again. I'm going to buy the DVD mm-hmm. and I'm going to buy, I'm, I have Inside Out. So. Yeah. If I, I need to, I might rearrange the ratings for it because I really love Cuba. I love Cuba. Yeah. I even got the post of. Yeah, I'm still mad about that whole things. situation. Um, <laughs> Friggin', thanks, I thanks, went to that theater thanks, like all summer and then you go by yourself because I'm not at home and you get free posters. Screw you. Um, <laughs> let's move on to Steve Jobs. And this is where I think I'm expecting a little bit more debate, but I don't I don't know. I'm hoping that there's, I mean, for the podcast sake, I'm hoping that there is debate. But at the same time, on a personal level, I'm hoping that there's not a debate here. Um, what did you think of Steve Jobs? I think Steve Jobs was a great movie. Jeez. Oh, um, okay. From Thanks the for. First, from the first... From the opening scene, like when he, 
first of all, for those of you who don't know, this takes place during three different time periods and then three different launches that he had. Mm-hmm. Um, um, for the Macintosh, for the next, when he developed next, it was for that computer, and then it was back in like 1998 for the launch of, of another computer, I think it was. And like just the pure dialogue that that he has with each of these people before the actual launch, and you're sitting there you're like you're on a time crunch, but he has to get all these conversations done with because he works with them or he's related to them. So it it is just fantastic how he was able to do all like all that in once and the, just the screenplay of it. It was fantastic. I mean, this is very interesting dialogue. So you're really intrigued by what so well written. Um, I think Michael Fassbender did a fantastic job. Thank you. Kate Winslet. I'm not done with that, by the way. <laughs> Kate Winslet did uh, an amazing job as well. Um, it's especially their their relationship be- be- the, between him and Kate Winslet. I think it was fantastic. Uh, you were definitely invested in their relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this is a well written movie. Um, the only thing that I'm sad about really is that it, that it just took place in three different launches. I, I wish we would have gotten more. That's a lot of people's complaints about it, and I mean it—it's not. I mean, it's not, and it's not such a huge negative because it was still a great movie. But I just wish that we had more. Mm-hmm. I was—I was intrigued by his relationship with his daughter. Yes, that but, was such a great emotional kind of through line throughout the entire movie. It was so it well was great done because, because you see him sort of evolve, like. From where he is in the beginning of the movie to like where he ends up being in the end of the movie, it's just like mm-hmm. I wish I would have seen you get to that point. Yeah. We only see glimpses, but I wanted more of that just because I, I wish we, I wish it would have been more fulfilling in the end. Um, I, to me, it was very fulfilling. Like um, Steve Jobs, this this movie, like like we've been saying throughout this entire thing so far, it is so well written. Aaron Sorkin did it again. That man, that man can freaking write a movie. It's so good. Um, but the, the dialogue, like you were saying, is so well done. The way, what, see why I kind of like the fact that they only stick to those three time periods is that you kind of, you, you, you see the story developing without actually, like, you don't directly see it. You just see his character kind of evolve through these moments. And through these huge events in his life and all the chaos that's going on around him. And just through that, you're able to see how he's changing as a person and how he's um, evolving as a person. It's just so well done. I, I love the way this movie's written. And we're going to get to Fastbender, I think, a little bit in a little bit here. But let me talk about Winslet really quick here. She was absolutely mind-blowingly good in this movie. Like she is so fantastic. And what I what blows me away about her performance is that she com- she just completely transforms. Like you buy into just this completely this person that she like. It's she completely sells you on it. It's fantastic, and she you see it in the way in everything she does and the way she's kind of playing off Fastbender. You see that she cares about um, Jobs, and she wants what's best for him, but she also sees the flaws in him, and she wants to help kind of help him grow out of those flaws and grow into a better person. And but at the same time, she cares about, it. and it, she plays that so well. She plays, she walks that thin line so well 
it's it's incredible. And I think she kind of got forgotten in the. I mean, yeah, she got nominated, but she got kind of forgotten in that discussion because I, we were hit with the huge storm that was Elisa Vikander, and Elisa Vikander definitely deserved her win. But Winslet deserved to be more in that discussion because it was kind of an easy, a, a pretty straightforward decision when it came to Vikander. But, man, Winslet was so good. Yeah, Winslet did a fantastic job on this movie. Um, like you said, she complete, I completely bought it um, mm-hmm. when she was talking to Jobs and everything. Um, I think Fassbender, he, he really stole me with his performance. Cause I was like, this is Fassbender. Like what? Cause he sounded different. Mm-hmm. Um, his mannerisms and everything. And mm-hmm. I think he did a really great job of portraying. If, if that's what Steve Jobs, that's how he was. And he did a fantastic job portraying yeah. that. Um, so I have to give credit to where it's due. Also, some of the soundtracks in this movie were actually really good. Yeah. <clears throat> like, especially for the opening scene when mm-hmm. he was having that dialogue with, um, with his I think it was his ex wife yeah. or Yeah, so it was it was it was that dial it was that soundtrack. I was like, wow, it's a pretty good soundtrack. And I have to give it to Seth Rogan. Um this Rogan, man has yes. Seth Rogan has has played nothing but Seth Rogan. So to see him play someone other than Seth Rogan is fantastic. And I think he did a really good job. I have to say he did a pretty good job playing that. Um not, not it, it wasn't Academy worthy, you know, support best supporting actor, but it, it, it was something I liked seeing him do something else. And I, I do think that he has, I would like to see him grow, uh, in, into more dramatic roles. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't mind him. I didn't mind seeing him in there. I think it was, I think he, I think he did a pretty good job. Agreed. Um, um one thing uh, that really stuck out to me in, in this movie it was just so well done and I noted like I didn't know about this I don't know if you noticed it but I didn't know about this when I was watching it and I noticed it and then I w- did some research and just thought it was brilliant the way they shot this movie did you know that for each time period they used the camera that they would have been using during that time and they used the type of film that they would have been using during that time yeah I noticed it when I first saw the movie. I was just like, "This is weird. Like, it looks <laughs> kind of old." I said I didn't notice it um, when when I was when I was watching it because you know you watch you watch movies not, like you know you watch a movie nowadays you don't get as much as I don't know what it's called but as much as the buzz in the movie it's all mm-hmm. clear that still had it you know what I mean so yeah. I was I was very was like well, like this is it's still I mean this is still like an HD but it still has those those effects yeah just because the way it was shot i bought this movie on blu-ray because i loved the way it was shot um i mean i love the movie for other reasons as well but the way it was shot that's what made me buy it on blu-ray not dvd um just because it was so so well done like um going into specifics like it was shot in 16 millimeter for 80 in 1984 35 millimeter for 88 and then digital for 98 so like i said it's just that was such a great idea and I don't think it's necessarily... I don't know if it was the first movie to do that. Pro, other movies have probably done that. I think um, Love and Mercy, which came out last year as well, also did that. So it might be a new kind of trend, and I actually kind of like it. Um, and if Steve Jobs was the one to start it, I'm all for that. Um, any other thoughts on this movie before we kind of transition into maybe some negatives for it or and then i'm sure we'll get into a fast bender versus dicaprio debate in a second here um no that's about it for me i gave this movie a 
point seven. This movie was fantastic, so I have to give credit where it's due. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's right around. I can't remember exactly what I gave it, but I'm pretty sure that's right around where I gave it as well. Um, it was right. I don't think it was in my top ten. It might have been, but it was right outside if it wasn't. Um, oh, it wasn't in your top ten last year? It was close, but I... I am shocked, man. The way you talk about this movie is ridiculous. It, I can't I remember. It, it was definitely on the edge. I can't remember. It was one way or the other. I don't remember exactly. Bob's about to pull up the list in a second, so I'll find out, and this entire conversation will be useless. Um, but, yeah, it, it was... Um, I love this movie. It might be one of those one that I, like, love it more than I actually, like, think it's great but that's a whole nother discussion it is on my top 10 it's number nine so okay like i said it was on the edge um but yeah uh real quick do you have any takeaway like any negatives anything holding it back well i guess one of the only negatives that i really had was just the fact that we really didn't like we really didn't dive into that relationship so like that's the one thing I was interested in seeing because that brought up the raw motion, mm-hmm. like more of the raw motion in it. Um, I, I just wish we would have saw more of him being outside of, of the launches. Um, cause I think, I think we would have gotten more of, of his character in a sense of on why he does, on why he does the things that he does. Yeah. Cause I know a lot of people don't know this, but he, I, th- I think a lot of people do now. Um, he was a perfectionist. That's why he didn't have any furniture. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You, we didn't really get an explanation for that, though, in the movie. He, they yeah. asked him, why don't you have any furniture? He's like, I don't know. I'm, I'm still looking in the market. But yeah. he was a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. So I feel that if we would have like seen more of his character, I, the movie would have been more fulfilling for me personally. Um, but that's one of the only negatives that I got. I mean, that's really the only major negative that I have in this movie. Yeah. Um, like I said, the, the whole idea of them shooting in kind of just three specific, um, events, I like that. And I really, like, I really did love, and I thought it worked ultimately for the betterment of of the film. But I do agree with you that it also like kind of took away from some of the overall character. Like there was, it kind of subtracted something from it just a little bit. Um, and then yeah, also I mean, there were something major. There were a couple of stylistic things with how Danny Boyle directed it that kind of bothered me a little bit. Like there were moments like when random graphics and words would pop on the screen and it just was not consistent throughout the entire film. So those are just little things that kind of got on my nerves. Um, and then one thing involving Fast Vendor that's completely like I can't count it against the film really, but it's just something that kind of threw me off. Fast Vendor is a little too ripped to be playing Steve Jobs. Like he would, like he would like lift his arms in the air, and you're like, dude, Steve Jobs was not that jacked, <laughs> and it just threw me off while I was watching it. But again, you can't count that really against the movie and against his performance. But it's just something that. As I was watching, it's it was like just a like physical appearance weird. type thing. Yeah, I was like, that's weird. Um, but yeah, so that's just one random thing. Um, all right. You want to get into this debate that I'm sure we're about to have here. Cause I think although you do appreciate Jobs' or Jobs' performance, um, Fastbender's performance, I, I think you're definitely, you're still leaning Leo, correct? For who should have won the Oscar last year? I loved I love Fastbender's um, performance, but I, I still got to give it to Leo. I, I I saw I saw a little bit of the Revenant actually before I even came on, on this podcast too. Mm-hmm. I got up to the bear scene. Yeah. Here's my argument for you, and I, and and I hope I don't know if I'll change my mind or whatever, but, but here's my argument. 
I had to stop with the bear scene because I obviously had to come up here to record the show. Whatever. But that bear scene alone with DiCaprio, I think you might have forgotten it. I, I think a lot of people have forgotten it because apparently the movie's a bore or whatever. That's that's your opinion. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people have forgotten this bear scene. And this is where I think Miles is going to go south me a little bit too because of the cinematography. How they shot that scene, I still have no idea how they shot that scene. That scene, just shooting-wise, is fantastic. The way they did that scene is beautiful. It is fantastic. We shot everything. I I don't disagree. Um, That's why I think, that's one of the reasons why I'm going to give it cinematography. Just just solely for that scene. You're going on a random rabbit hole against Miles again. No, no, no. I'm not, and I'm not trying to, I'm not, I'm not trying to shoot that down. I'm just saying, this just ran, because there's so much great, there's so many great moments in that scene. Just the cinematography, the CGI, the acting. Solely alone, this is why I think Leonardo Leonardo DiCaprio won his Oscar. That scene alone, he is acting with a, a dummy. I don't know what the hell he's acting with, but he is acting with a dummy. He is you in his eyes. You see fear, yet a sense of calmness. Like he is looking death in the eyes in this scene. Okay, and the fact that he's able to portray fear, a sense of calmness, trying to figure out a way to get out of the getting out of that situation. Like I don't know, I think that seems like like a, like a few minutes, like three, like maybe three to five minutes long. Mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure, but you're cringing on the end of your seat, and you think that it, it feels like you're there for a long time, and it's just because of the raw emotion that he brings just to that performance. Just that scene alone. That mm-hmm. is why I still give that. That's why I still give the Oscar to Leonardo DiCaprio. When you can that that whole entire scene, it, it was just purely raw, and mm-hmm. I'm just like, wow, like this is this is a great performance. Um, that's what wins it for me. I, I Fassbender did a great job. He did a fantastic job. I would have he would have been my second choice, but Leo stole the show for me 100 percent with just that scene um that's arguably one of the best scenes in the movie it might be the best but then you also have the ending fight scene yeah. with with tom hardy and and um with tom with tom hardy and again it's just the raw emotion that he brings to the screen uh, you know he, he's coming back at full force with revenge and determination see, in his eyes see, for and the year and that's that's what gets it for me is that you see all these emotions in in just a few seconds and it, it's just something it, that's this that cat that got me that's mm-hmm. what makes me say DiCaprio wins it see with with the end scene that I kind of I think that scene is more about how it was shot and kind of the visceral and the grit how visceral it was and how gritty it was and you just felt every bit of it and that that's it was such an intensely shot scene that that's why I think that scene works now DiCaprio I'm sure he would I mean he was great in that scene but I don't think to me there was nothing about his performance that was that necessarily made that scene what it was. Um, but as for the beginning scene, the, like the bear scene, I'll, I'll give that to you. Like that was a great um, piece of acting. And you, one thing I do want to address is you said I, you might have forgotten about that scene. How could I forget about that scene? It was like the one of the only two memorable slash action packed scenes in the entire movie so of course i didn't forget it because it's the only memorable thing about it but that's another argument for another day Um, 
Um, and look, I'm not going to say what I, I never said that DiCaprio, well, I don't know. I might have phrased it this way, but this isn't how I meant to phrase it. That DiCaprio didn't deserve his nomination or his win. I think Fassbender deserved it more. I just thought Fassbender was better, um, in this move, in his movie. And, um, but the reason is Fassbender just absolutely transforms like he is almost unrecognizable as this person just not only and it's one of those situations where it's one of those situations where you he's not um they didn't cover him in makeup and that's what transforms him they didn't kind of put cgi over him and that transformed him no his performance is what trans like he was just he gave such a fantastic performance that he turns into like he like i said he's unrecognizable just because of how well he was acting that's how good this performance was and not only that but he's he has to complete or convey such a complex and misunderstood and mean but at the same time genius character smart but at the same time made stupid decisions Someone who wasn't good with people, but was great at marketing. Like, it, it was just, it's, Steve Jobs is such a fascinating and complex person. And Fassbender portrayed him so well. Like, he was able to capture all of those complex and interweaving things about him perfectly. It was just, it was a, a brilliant performance by Fassbender. Brilliant. Um, yes, I, I will give you, and I agree that Leo was able to reach depth of emotion that, um, we haven't really seen from him before. And he was able to reach those kind of levels and make you kind of feel those things in that moment. And I do agree with you. And like I said, I'm not, these, we're both not knocking the other guy. It's more of who deserved it more. And for me, because Fassbender was able to transform like that. That's why I give it to Fassbender. I mean, I'm not, I mean, I, I think, I agree with you there. I mean, I do think that he also deserves it. And, 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 um, thank you for not, you know, forgetting about that embarrassing Carlos. <laughs> um, but this, I don't know if you want to have a poll about this after. Well, see, this is what, people. like, I, um, I, I want to put a poll up, but at the same time, this is one poll that I am, like, 100% sure that I'm going to lose. Because, first of all, nobody saw Steve Jobs, sadly. Um, it did not make people, anything at the box office. And secondly, that, Leo is that, Leo. Michael Fassbender did a fantastic job. So, you yeah. guys, those of you who missed out on it, that this is my recommendation, by the way. Go see Steve Jobs. So, okay. that was a fantastic movie. I think you guys really missed out on it. Like I did. I wish I would have seen it in the theaters because this was a really great movie. So if you got Xfinity on the man for free, check it out. Those of you guys don't, don't got Xfinity, buy it, rent it, do whatever you got to do because this movie was fantastic. Um, Anyways, though, getting back to the, the discussion here, I do agree that Michael Fassbender did transform himself because he he had like a high pitch, he had like a high pitch voice. He mm-hmm. sounded almost completely um, like American. I was like, what? Like this is crazy. Um, so I definitely liked it too. But I'm not you. Leonardo DiCaprio also transformed himself in in The Revenant. I'm not going to deny that he transformed himself into this 
guy trying to save, trying to, he hasn't, he has a half breed son, mm-hmm. except he has to accept that. And he's trying to protect his kid because he's, he's living with, he's with all these white folks at the time who don't see his son as someone, sorry guys, um, who don't see his son as, as a person really. They just see him as, you know, just some Indian, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it's him trying to cope with that, um, really trying to get back into his society, really, with his son. And that's the only thing that he has left. And that's taken from him. That's in the trailer. It's not a spoiler. It's in the trailer. Yeah. And you, he turns into someone who's just trying to survive, who's trying to trying to fight for his life and get back to, and get back, um, to his home. Mm-hmm. To fight for justice, to literally fight for the justice of his kid. Well, here, um, okay, here's where I'll get where I'll get a little kind of offensive here and start going after Leo's performance, I guess, a little bit. After that scene that you're talking about, because I, like I said, I do completely agree about that scene. It was so well done for multiple reasons, and one of the main reasons was because of how good Leo was. But after that, he kind of gets a little one note, just kind of. Yes, you still have the survival aspects of things, but really, for the rest of the very long and slow movie, which I'm not holding that against Leo's performance, but I'm just going after Revenant because I like to, um, throughout the rest of the movie, he's just, it's like revenge and determination, and it's just very one note, and then it gets to the end, and things kind of happen again, and that's great. But, like I said, for the rest of the movie, he kind of just becomes this... This is what I'm doing. This is it. And he, you're just watching this happen. It's more about the survival aspects of the visuals and those kind of things for the rest of the movie. Um, and as for him transforming, I, yeah, I, I guess like in a way he did, but I think he's transformed even more so in other movies, which that's a whole nother discussion. What movies Leo did deserve his Oscar for? Um, yeah, like Wolf of Wall, Wall Street, Street and stuff like that, <laughs> but that's uh, completely understandable. But at the same time, I mean, this is someone from a different era who lost ba- the only person, like his his family, the only family that he has left. Okay, mm-hmm. lost that member. He's gone. No coming back. Okay, he died basically. That like, he's dead, and like that's that's why he transformed into that person. Yeah. There's no. That's the only person that he had left to care for. Mm-hmm. That's the only person that that cared for him. So of course, I'm not saying I would go on like a freaking rage. Yeah, you know, trying to find the person that killed someone that I loved, but at the time, that's that's how it was. I would say I don't know if that's true or whatever, but that that's his character, and that's I understand where he's coming from. I, and you know, when you when you like, that's his rock bottom right there. Yeah, and it's not like it's not like he it's not like he got a letter about it. You know what I mean? He saw this happen. I'm not saying it's not justified. I'm so, just, I'm just I mean, saying the performance became a little one note. I mean, I would disagree with you there. I mean, yeah. I think, I think he had the the motivations and, and everything there, and I think, I think I would understand. Why did you say it was one note again? Because it was just he was just trying to plot against this. Yeah, plot against I mean, it was basically just like he was. It was he needed revenge, and that's what he was going after. He just was going after that and like it was, he had one goal, one mindset and that was all that came across the screen. There was never any like, 
he didn't have any there was no range of emotion throughout most of the movie because he was just on this revenge path and survival path i guess so but i that could like you could say well that's not leo's fault that's how the movie was written and i would agree with that but ultimately like he has to he has to show that range of emotion and that's what i don't think he necessarily did show that range of emotion bro i mean you saw this man you know try to you know um what is it you saw this man try to survive multiple times this man almost died i don't know how long might have been like a few days. Mm-hmm. Man almost died every single day. He tried to get yeah. back to this guy, so it was ridiculous. Um, so I don't think it was really one-dimensional acting. Yeah. Of course, I mean there was always something that was going on. Um, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, if there was an award for best physical performance, um, I would definitely give it to Leo. I mean, he so, definitely did things physically that were but like, extremely. But impressive. like I said, like I said, that that whole entire bear scene. This is which is what I'm getting back to. Mm-hmm. The whole entire bear scene is personally why. I can is why Leo wins it for me. I mean, I understand everything. We, if when you're going back to the whole movie, like I said, I mean, I've defended it. I mean, I, I disagree with you a little bit there when it comes to the whole movie. That's that's a different discussion. Mm-hmm. But just that bare scene alone, just the raw emotion that he brought to that, you know, and he's acting with a dummy and everything. That that is what wins it for me personally. There, are, that's arguably one of the be- like that's arguably the best scene in the whole entire mm-hmm. movie and. He stole, he stole that performance. Like that, that stole the, that stole the show for me. This is that bear scene. Yep. Um, it, it, it was a fantastic, it was a fantastic scene. Yep. If, if I have to give it, if I have to give it, if that's, if that's the reason why he won the Oscar, I, I'm not upset about it because that to me beat Michael Fast, Michael Fassbender's performance in Jobs. That whole scene See. beat, beat that for me. And, mm-hmm. um, I love, I loved, I love Michael Fassbender's performance, but mm-hmm. it's, it's just, like I said, he, Michael Fassbender comes at a very close second for me just cause I, like I said, like we both agree, he, he really did transform yeah. and I was just like, what the hell? But, um, that embarrassing, this, this beats it for me, just mm-hmm. knocks it out of, um, that is just, that was a, that's one of the best scenes I've seen. Um, one thing with the bear scene that you mentioned is that kind of how he was calm, but also like terrified and like, and he was able to display that one kind of com- like way I would compare it to jo- or to Fassbender in Steve Jobs is that on these event days, there is so much happening around him during these events. It's absolute chaos around him. There's the, f- like there's at one point like the fire company or the firemen are telling him they need to leave the building because everything's not up to fire code in the building and he's like no we're not leaving the building um and like or there's because they want to clo- cover up the exit signs i think that that's what it was and his ex-wife is asking for money his daughter is bothering him he's trying to get them get the um the displays working like all these different things are happening around him and you see him dealing with these things like and you see frustration and you see kind of this arrogance about him to where he's like first of all we can figure this out or i have already figured this out and we're gonna get this done but at the same time there's this arrogance and then there's also like you were saying with leo but in a in a different way there's this calm about him because he's so arrogant, he's so like 
this is no, not a problem. I can take care of this. And it's just that that's how I would kind of compare those two things. And that's in that area. I do think they're comparable, but I think we've officially talked ourselves in a circle on this issue. Um, so maybe I think we will put up a poll. I am prepared to lose very badly, but Hey, you never know. Maybe it'll be a underdog, underdog story. <laughs> um, it might be, man. You have two all against me right now. Yes, I am two and zero against you in the polls. So we'll see what happens. Um, all right, you've already. That was your recommendation, correct, Steve Jobs? Guys, you need to watch Steve Jobs. That all is right. my recommendation. <laughs> so watch it. It's a great performance by Michael Fassbender and Kate Winslet. So yeah. check it out. Also, Seth Rogen. He's not Seth Rogen, guys. It's, it's, I'm being serious. He's not Seth Rogen. <laughs> Check it out. Like, yeah. I'm, I was completely shocked. I was like, Seth, you're not Seth? That's crazy, bro. Mm-hmm. What? So, um, All right. Well, my recommendation is going to be a show that just started. I've only watched one episode, but I'm going to recommend it because, number one, I'm recommending it to you, Ozzy, because I think you should watch it. And number two... I think the pilot is going to hook a lot of people and it has hooked a lot of people because I recommended this show to my sister and she was like, why is everybody talking about this show telling me I need to watch it? This is us on NBC. Um, this, pr- the premiere episode, this is the show that I think I mentioned on this podcast before that, um, this is a show where the trailer came out a couple months ago and it completely went viral. People were like saying the show was going to be amazing, and I loved the trailer too. Um, and now I watched the premiere episode. It was on last Tuesday. The actually the second episode. By the time this this podcast is out, the second episode will already be out. Um, but this premiere episode of this show was so good. Like it has, it's got so much just human drama in it, and you get attached to these. You're attached quickly attached to these people because. They're just having kind of very relatable struggles. And even when you're, it's a completely unrelatable character, like an actor, um, like a big name actor, a well-known actor, you're able to relate to them because it's just such a, it's a unique, or not even a unique struggle. It's just a struggle that we all have of just expectations and how we kind of get put into this box sometimes of this is what you are. And that's how all these people are struggling with. And there's also some parental drama and all these different things. And at the same time, there are these, um, there's this other, there are the other, these other people who are having, um, triplets and they're going through that kind of drama with, um, the pregnancy and all these different things. And then the end, it all kind of, it just, they do it and they write the episode in such a way that it kind of blew my mind by the end. I was like, Oh, so that and that. And I was like, oh my gosh, that was so good. And I'm hooked already. NBC does a great job of kind of giving you great premieres that hook you. The same thing happened with Blacklist, where I watched the first episode of Blacklist and I was like, well, I have to watch the next one now. And (laughs) NBC has done it again because this is us. Highly recommend. Ozzy, I think you should check it out because, and I think everyone should check it out because I think it was fantastic. I might give it a watch. I might give it a watch. Definitely should. All right. Well, now you're probably all wondering, well, I thought we were going to have a Rebels recap, and you might even only be here for the Rebels recap. Well, we are actually going to throw it over to a previously recorded segment because Jesse could not make it for this episode. So him and I reviewed a Rebels Season 3 premiere recap and review. 
Um, we felt we recorded that yesterday, so now that will be attached onto the end of this episode. So we are going to throw it over to them. So stay tuned, and we will sign us out from there. So definitely stay for the Rebels recap. Listen, enjoy, and may the force be with you. We are now here with the man, the myth, the legend, Jesse Swink. We've talked about we've talked about you multiple times on the podcast. We've actually heard your opinions a couple of times on the podcast via other people. In our last episode, it was Miles. Um, yeah, so, yeah. how does it feel to finally actually be on the podcast? It feels good. I'm, I'm finally going to send out invites to listen for people <laughs> because most of the people that would come that would that I would invite would be like well why is he inviting them to something he's not part of so yeah it feels good to finally be uh, be on here contributing a little bit <laughs> you've been contributing you've been in like the idea man for when we can't think of what to talk about yeah but <laughs> now you hear my opinions yeah. just what it's... I wish I could give my opinions on <laughs> fair enough I guess it's a little more substantial now. But we are here to review or recap and review this episode, this first episode of season three, is it? Season three. Season three, three of Star Wars Rebels. Oh, man. It, it's been a long break from Rebels. I, I actually, I didn't think I missed it that much, but then you get, you get it back and you're like, Man, I, I miss Rebels. I've been looking forward to it. A lot of it has been because I was getting to be on here, but I forgot how much I enjoyed the show. <laughs> like, I've watched it through twice now. Really? Just this, well, not, not the show, but th- yeah. this past episode. Oh, okay. Twice now. Oh, yeah, because you watched it without me, right? Well, you were doing <laughs> football things, and I was sick. So. Fair enough. Um, all right, well, let's just get started with this episode. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, we open up with this mission that we kind of saw. The, I don't know if you saw that clip that they released. They released a clip from this mission um, a while back. But they we start with this mission. We don't know who they're saving. I mean, obviously, if you watch the clip, you know who they're saving. But most people did not know who they're saving. You get to it, and it was Hondo. Mm-hmm. So what did you think? Did you know it was going to be Hondo? From the... Trailer. That's, yeah. that's the word. Trailer. Uh, I didn't see the clip you were talking okay. about because I was out of the country, I guess, yeah. when that happened. Um, but I did see the trailer and I saw Hondo or whatever. Actually, no, I did see the see that clip. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so I knew it was Hondo and the little Ugnat guy. I don't remember his name. Yeah. Um, I don't know. He was – that whole – um, con- idea was kind of random, at f- especially at first. It kind of tied together towards the end of the episode. Yeah. I mean, um, anyway. All right, but you you're a big Hondo fan, right? I, I really <laughs> like Hondo. Yeah, he's he's one. He's really great. I don't think he needs to be in like every episode, yeah. but I love when he shows up. Yeah, I th- I think he's he's good in doses. I think that's the it's the way to do him. You can't get you need to get. The right amount of Hondo. Especially if you see his character development from whenever he was in Clone Wars. Yeah, where that's he was true. A true pirate general king dude <laughs> to now he's just kind of this goofy, funny, oh, 
Yeah, that's true. Um, but see, I don't know. I've always kind of seen him as, as a little bit of a goofy character. But, hey, maybe that's just me. Um, all right. But what did you think about this mission? We obviously start to see Ezra kind of take a, a little bit of a dark turn in this. I mean, she, he got he was really aggressive, very violent. Um, and then at the end of this mission, things go down. So what did you think of Ezra, especially in this mission? Ezra, I mean, this was the first time we've seen him with his... He's grown up a little bit. Yeah. I don't know how many years have passed. Um, I don't I think it's years. You think it's been years? May, I think it might have been a yeah, year. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Not years. Because right now, we're this season's taking place two years before the events mm-hmm. of New Hope. So, um, but yeah, it was really cool seeing him because apparently he was making the calls on this mission. He was in charge, no Kanan, no Hera yeah. around, um, giving commands. And it was going really well, really well, up to the end where we see his new force abilities yeah. come out. <laughs> um, he, jeez, have you ever seen, I mean, obviously we've maybe seen it in video games, read it in books, but we've never seen anything like that in the movies before, right? No, not in like the like, new, not in the movies. We have yeah. not seen somebody like dominate a mind like that. Yeah, I mean, that was ridiculous. Like to get somebody to completely not only betray like what they're doing but to betray like their own their self-protect like everyone wants to protect themselves you know it's like it was so weird yeah it was it was scary like you could see i really loved you could see the faces of like zeb and all them in the background like they were horrified of like he made this guy in the imperial walker walk off the edge of this platform and die they got dark real fast and stuff. So. It really did, and it oh almost looked like he hesitated a little bit in that yeah. step. But I don't, I don't know if he did. I just thought it looked like that. Yeah. And that great moment when Sabine, I think, is the one who asked him, "When did Kanan teach you that?" And he just flat out says he didn't. Yeah. Oh man. See, I I love that moment, like that whole moment with them kind of reacting to it because. They, they, even though you see their faces and they're obviously concerned to say the least, they're still just like, they don't really question it too much. They just kind of go along with it because at the end of the day, he got them out of the situation, but it, it was, I mean, I don't know. They were, they're kind of like, I guess the ends justify the means kind of in that situation in particular. It, It was just really interesting. Um, were you surprised with how quickly we got to the Sith holocron? Very. I think I said that. Yeah. Like we we had to stop and pause while we were watching so that Miles could go get some pizza. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, like I expected this to be get drawn out a couple yeah. of episodes at least of like Ezra using the holocron to learn mm-hmm. the ways of the dark side without Kanan knowing. But it was just immediately right off the bat, Kanan finds it. Even though he's blind, he just kind of feels it yeah. uh, by accident and takes it away. It mm-hmm. was really... But the way they used it, I think, was really good. Yeah. But see, what what kind of is interesting to me is, like, Ezra's been obviously using this thing for a while, right? Mm-hmm. And... But you've got to know, like, he's been told so long, for or for a while now, like, the Sith were bad. So... It's interesting that he's so, like, tempted by everything that 
the dark side has to offer that he's willing to like completely just listen to the Sith holocron. Right, but the thing he is he's using he thinks he's using it to protect his friend. That's true. And that kind of leads into the next little sequence when we run into Kanan yeah. going and finding the Bindu, that mm-hmm. big Force-sensitive thing. And he, that the Bindu says, this thing can't corrupt someone on their own. Only they can do it. And their ideas of power or even saving their yeah. friends. That's true. Um, what did you think of the Bindu? I really liked it. He's... A mediator between, like, he's not Mm -hmm. a light side follower, not a dark side follower. He's just using the force, which there was a lot of that in Legends, Mm -hmm. like in what is no longer part of the actual official Star Mm -hmm. Wars story. All of that is called Legends now. So um, there was a lot of people who would not follow strictly the dark or light side, but would still be what we would consider good. Mm Mm-hmm. Using a little bit of both, just not being corrupted completely by either one, not going with the legalism that tends to happen with the light side or the total corruption of the dark side. Yeah. Um, I've always found that kind of interesting because a lot of the times, I don't know if they've ever explicitly claimed this, but the Jedi always seem to believe that they're, they're like, they found the balance in the force and whatever. Like they think they're the middle, but really they're just, they're the light and they're completely saying, no, the dark is completely bad. So I I do like that they're introducing someone who actually is in the middle or at least supposedly for now. Right. And he, he made some, they made great references to the old legend stuff with him. Like Mm -hmm. there was something that followed that called the Bendu order. Now, I don't know if he's going to be a part of that order if they're remaking it so that he that's his name or the yeah. race, but there was a order of like Bindu that predated mm-hmm. even the Jedi, but they died out pretty quickly along yeah. the way. And he also referenced the legends' names for the light yeah. and dark side, Ashla and Bogan, mm-hmm. which were that I found that interesting too that they're bringing back that those concepts of. The Jedi aren't always right Mm -hmm. into it. Because in the movies, it still looked like the Jedi were the good guys all the time. But this is painting a little bit of a different picture. Exactly. And that kind of goes back. Like, we've had some of that kind of stuff in Clone Wars before with, like, that brother and sister arc. That was, I I actually, that was, like, one of my favorite arcs in Clone Wars. Um, But anyway, let's kind of move on a little bit to. I think this is where you're going to have quite a bit to say, um, the Thrawn stuff. <laughs> That's where, um, he, he doesn't have much to say, but, no. and he doesn't really have much to do really, but he was very effective in how they used him in this episode. Very effective. They brought him in. He basically identified these are the rebels. This is what they're doing. These are isolated events, but they're not really. Mm-hmm. And then that's all he said and disappeared for a while. And everybody else is just like, Okay, we'll act on this. And then he comes in again at the end Mm -hmm. where they're about to defeat the rebels, destroy this little fleet that they have. And he says, no, let them have their victory. I have something else in mind. Mm -hmm. And it just shows how brilliant he is that these other admirals, which we know Palpatine, the emperor, wouldn't put in power if they weren't intelligent. They are fascinated and stunned by that decision because... They don't understand it. And he has this plan that they don't get. Yeah. He's got, he's a million steps ahead of everyone mm-hmm. else. He's going to pull them all out. And 
I'm really excited to see him in action more. Agreed. I mean, just because, like, they talk about the fact that he is kind of the big picture guy. Um, I, I believe it was one of the commanders or one of the generals that said that. Uh, governor yeah. something. Yeah. Um, and she was talking about how he's, like, big picture. And then just him letting them go, it kind of makes you intrigued because you're just like, so what is the big picture? Like, he obviously, like, they said that he's the big picture guy, and now we're seeing that. We want to see what the big, like, we want to be able to see everything he's saying. It's, I think they're doing it very well. Um, let's kind of, cause they, because of the success of Ezra's first mission, they give him another mission, and he's supposed mm-hmm. to just be kind of scouting out everything. Where th- there are these ships that he's supposed to be getting, is it correct? Yeah, yeah, Y wing. Y wings. Yes, he's supposed to be getting some Y wing bombers. They go to scout out the area that this is all information Hondu gave them. Mm-hmm. So they're going to scout out the area, and then they realize that they're destroying the ships. So Ezra makes a quick and fast decision to let's just get him now. I don't necessarily think that was a poor decision. Mm-mm. No, I think he should have let Hera and them know before he acted. Agree. And I think that's Rex said as much, mm-hmm. but he said no and just moved in. Yeah. He got mad when they said said anything about going in for backup. Yeah, which shows a little bit of that dark side arrogance mm-hmm. coming out in him. And of course, everything went. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. They were attacked by these giant droids. And, yeah. Uh, the ships didn't have fuel, and he ends up making this risky call of cutting power to this whole floating station. So it comes crashing down. Again, just a very rash decision where he completely did not consider every possibility, every... Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just not a good decision at and all. That's when I was like, no, like that was a bad decision. Yeah. I was with him at first, and then he kind of lost me. And he's still a likable character, even mm-hmm. though he's making these bad calls and bad decisions. Yeah. It's still on a plane where we can identify and agree mm-hmm. with him. Agreed. Um, toward, by the end of this episode, we kind of get the feeling like he's learned his lesson. He's going to kind of take us, like, he's going to go talk to the, um, what's it called again? The big force guy. Oh, uh, yeah. Bendu. Yeah. The Bendu. He's going to, so, so do you buy that or do you think, no, this guy's still, he's still going dark? I don't, he doesn't, I don't think he knows about the Bendu yet. Yeah. I don't think Kanan's told him. Um, he, um, also, well, let, let's backtrack a little okay. bit. Kanan, like, he's learning to function without That's his true. eyes. Yes. Like, if you notice in the episode, Kanan, at one point, like, they're zooming down towards the earth, and Kanan knows exactly where to reach up and grab Ezra, yeah. even without looking. But I think Ezra is probably going to go on a little light side stretch. Mm-hmm. For a little bit, and then something's going to happen that's going to make him fall again. Yeah, and I think it might have might be a death or something because I mean, Rex. We mean Rex we both it, speculate. Yes. Rex is not going to last. <laughs> He's a goner. He's a goner this season. I kind of want. I think sooner is very possible. Very soon, and he deserves a tragic fate. Yes, he deserves. He immediately to fall, fall to like. Ezra's hand, or it be Ezra's fault, or Vader to kill him himself, because that would be huge, especially if he figures out who Vader is. Yes, I think that'll be the best thing for the show. I mean, it'll be obviously be painful to watch, but I think the best thing for the show is if he finds out about Vader, and it kind of just, I think it'll destroy him if he found out. 
even more so possibly than um, Ahsoka. I don't know. Agreed. Um, is there anything? Who is dead? She's yeah. dead, by the way. <laughs> yes, I know. There's tons of speculation that she's still alive somehow. No, My, uh, she's Miles a goner. Is, Miles is saying that she's still shaking, here. <laughs> shaking his head behind the camera right now. He's wrong. Yes. Um, speaking of which. We are recording this segment, so if you want to watch a video of this segment, check it out on YouTube. Yes, do that. <laughs> Screenfellas YouTube channel. Um, is there anything else from this episode that you really want to talk about? Because we're running a little bit low on time here, but... Um, not really. I'm really intrigued to see next week. Next week, mm-hmm. we're going to see some fight between um, Maul and Kanan, it looks oh, like. Yes. It's going to be really awesome. I feel mm-hmm. like we might go ahead and see some more Dark Side steps for Ezra right then and there. It's possible. Um, I mean, because this, and like it or not, this show has to end horribly. It just does. Um, these people are not in any of the original trilogy, so they've got to be gone. Um, agreed. Now, I do think there is going to be some tie-in with Rogue One. I don't think it's going to be necessarily major, but I think there's going to be some tie-in. Yeah, we we'll might see what hear it is. something about um, uh, what's the guy's name? Um, the uh, Mickelson is playing. Oh, Matt Mickelson. I don't remember. He's he designed something that they're going to use for the Death Star. Yeah. I feel like we might come across him, especially since the other Mickelson is voicing uh, Thrawn right now. Yeah, his brother. Yeah, that would be really cool to see both oh, of them man. in action. But who knows? I don't know. Uh, anyway, and I I cannot wait for Rogue One. Um, but I do have some concerns about it. But that's some. That's we can just dis- we'll discuss that on like. An off week. Yeah. We'll do that. Um, all right. Well, this has been our Rebels recap. Jesse, why don't you give people your Twitter handle since you're not on here very much? Might as well throw it out there. Um, my Twitter handle is hard to spell. Hopefully, I will be changing that soon. Right now, it is we, the letter R, <laughs> the outsiders. No spaces. Um, Plan on changing that before long. But that is my Twitter handle. You can also, if there's any like Star Wars questions you want me to answer on the show or just in an email pack, email me at jesse.swink at screenfellows.com. Oh, yeah. Got those Screenfellows <laughs> emails now. It's going to yeah, be Yeah, go ahead and get the plug time. in, man. Um, all right. Well, this is the Screenfellows podcast. This has been our Rebels recap and review. Um, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Please make sure you subscribe on those things. Um, rate and review on iTunes. That'll help us out a lot. And don't forget to look at this video on YouTube. Yes, the YouTube channel, um, Screenfellows on YouTube. Facebook. We have We have a Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Check those out. They're all at Screenfellows. So there's tons of ways to find us. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us for this segment. Thanks for joining us for this episode. We will see you guys next. It's Our next episode's on Saturday. Saturday, and we'll have some movie reviews and hopefully a guest. So see you later. This is Screenfellows.